Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and we have a special, special edition here with Mr. Cora Parks. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I can't even lie. I'm like getting a little nervous. I'm like, look, we're going to have a really good conversation, but you have such like information to share from an entrepreneurial standpoint, a lifestyle standpoint. Yeah. And look, you can put me on game when it comes to like relationships and friendships and how everything like from football is what you learn yeah. has really helped you in um, in life in general. So yes. without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. So um, my name is Cora Parks. I am an Atlanta, Georgia native. I grew up here. Uh, went to Browns Mill Elementary School. I thought I was going to start there, huh? Yeah. Browns Mill <laughs> Elementary School. <laughs> um, from there, I went to Chapel Hill Middle School. I'm an east side baby. Um, and then went on to Stone Mountain High School where I played football and ran track. And in the process, was lucky enough, was blessed enough to be able to receive a full athletic scholarship to go on to play football and run track at Northeastern University. Um, and that was really the start of my kind of journey in, well, no, my, 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 the real start of my journey in sports was as a kid. Like, my mom um, was a was a basketball player. Really? Um, yeah, I was raised by my mom and my stepfather since I was two, but that's my dad. And um, they, they threw me in sports early, uh, you know, with the discipline and the certain things like that that they felt, you know, and I, I think at the time, like, that's what everybody did. They, they threw their kids in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to keep them from doing stuff in the streets and but we played growing up, so it, it was it was it was another outlet, and then started saying, you know what, I think I'm actually pretty decent at this. But a lot of that was fueled off of um, even during that time with being told I was too small. I came in with a chip on my shoulder, mm-hmm. so uh, ended up going to start my high school where, like I said, I excelled. I um, was on the state championship track team. We won the won the four by four. I started getting looks. Um, started the recruiting process. Going and visiting schools. Were you being recruited for both? Like, yeah, so I was mainly being recruited for football, Mm -hmm. but um, I knew the foundation of like how track helped me. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, I was curious. I was like, well, hey, if I'm gonna be able to run track and do this because I excelled at both. And I ended up choosing to go to Northeastern just due to the fact that number one, it would be the school that would allow me to major in mechanical engineering and play football. Uh, most people know that when it comes to being a student athlete in sports, they typically don't like for you to go after majors like that. Right, I was going to say a real degree. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, and, and that was the leading reason to be choosing to go to Northeast. And I visited, I'm not going to say the schools, I visited a few other schools and they were like, oh, you don't do this and this because you cannot mess up our GPA because, you know, the actual team has a GPA. Um, you're not going to mess up our graduation rate. And they would use this this thing where they would say, uh, pay attention to my hand. Football. Uh, <laughs> they would say football first. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm tripping. They would say um, they would say school first, football second. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's interesting. And that, that really, really turned my whole perspective on how important it was to choose you and to choose things like, and, and I think it's very difficult, you know, being at 18, neither one of my parents went to college and come to a point where a lot of us are having to choose, quote unquote, our careers for the rest of our lives. And being put in that position of going in and I'm looking at, oh, I want to be an architect. 
or do I want to be this? Do I want to be that? And I had an interest in cars. I love cars. And I used to, um, I was a tinkerer as a kid. So TVs, VCRs, whatever I can get my hands on, I'm going to unscrew break it, it apart. break it down. Uh-huh. And in me breaking it down, I'm going to put it back together. Yeah. And the objective is for it to work once I put it back together. <laughs> now, I, I, I broke a few VCRs in my day. <laughs> was your mom like, why is that breaking out my stuff? No. Really? She was kind of like, she hurt. would just come home and she would be like, my baby. My VCRs and VCRs. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to put it back together. And I put it back together and it would work. And she would just be like, okay. Okay. You know, but I, I also grew up in a family of men who work with their hands. Mm-hmm. So my, you know, growing up, like, it's so funny. My grandfather would say that he would try his best to have all his, like, little housework done, cutting the grass, all that before he would come pick me up because he knew that. If he did it while I was there, I'm about to be up under the car with him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to push the lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was that kid. Yeah, yeah. And that that actually helped fuel me to understand, like, okay, I'm good with my hands. I like to work with my hands. And I can fix things. Yeah. So when it came to me choosing my major, I was like, me and my dad, we were looking. And I was like, well, I knew, I kind of had did research on architecture. And they were like, it was kind of like a dying thing. And, um... I wanted to do be an autom- automotive uh, engineer, but Northeast didn't offer that. And then I ended up choosing mechanical engineering because mechanical engineering went across all phases of engineering and it didn't like put you in one concentration. Okay. Um, and then that's when I hit my first bit of adversity. I cruised through high school. Tell me more. I cruised through high school because I created a system. I did my working class. Mm-hmm. That way, when I got when when I got out of school, I was able to go to practice. Yeah. I get home, I can talk on the phone and do it. It's smooth sailing. Right. Yeah, yeah. But in the process, it is, it created a system for it, for it to work in high school. But when I got to college, I didn't know how to study. Okay. And as we know, when you get to college, like that's your first experience of, okay, we're just going to give you the work. Yeah. It's on you. You get it done, you get it done. And I ain't no doing it in class. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this is the lecture. Yeah. So uh, I never forget. I failed my first. Yeah, that my first time ever failing was when I got college. But your first, but you weren't in your core classes. Oh yeah, I was in my core. I was in my core class right away. Really? Yeah. So you literally are taking engineering classes, thinking you're gonna have the same work ethic that you had in high school, and then I didn't know. I know. Well, see, the thing about it is, you, you. I'm really trying to understand, like your, like your making as a child, right? You, you kind of gave us a cliffhanger when it came to. School first, football second. And then you said you knew that I had to do what is right for me, mm-hmm. right? So, like, what's leading, like, your, your like, knowledge at this point? Because you kind of seem like you're ahead of your time. But then, you know. Um, I think just being inquisitive, I ask a lot of questions. Okay. And... I, it's funny because I can read between the lines, but I can't. I'm also I can kind of be like, eh, I don't really know about it, and I just I question a lot of things, and I go do my research. So early, I understood like that <laughs> being a student athlete is like, what can you do for me now? And once you're done, you're out. You out of game. It's like it's on to the next. It's a cycle. And I knew for a fact that I just, I didn't want to pick something. Like, I, I would hear stories of guys like, oh, I, I went and got a degree. A, a lot of my, like, my coaches and stuff, oh, I got a degree in, in, in um, 
you know, in education to be a PE coach or to do this and do that. And it's no shade to that, but a lot of them weren't doing things that they enjoyed doing. Mm. So I started paying attention to guys, some of the coaches who would come in, who were lay coaches, who were like coaches that would come in part time. And they would pull up and they they, they ride their motorcycles or they doing different stuff. And I'm like, well, oh, you own this or you do that or you're an attorney. And it's like, uh-huh. So what made you choose that route versus doing that? So I started getting people around that were giving me the game. We were talking about, you know, hey, when you go, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. Make sure you, you know, if you're able to go right into your major, go right into it. So it's kind of... It fell on the other side just due to the fact that I should have that first year just did general studies to boost my GPA up, to get a little comfortable, to get familiar with that. Because I excel, I excelled at other class. Like, I did criminal justice classes. I did mm-hmm. all those. I excelled at those yeah. easily. Yeah. But I just did not know how to study. Okay. So that was the lesson that you pulled from it. You pulled that you didn't know how to study, but this was also your first class in your major. So did you did this somehow taint your your identity as like okay, am I gonna do this, or did it make you challenge yourself to, to like step up to the plate? It, it made me challenge myself to step up to the plate because that also put me at risk of not being able to play. Okay. So. So yeah, two things that you love at the balance. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, all right, you're about to be. I'm on academic probation out of the gate. <laughs> out of the gate, I'm on, on the academic probation. Yeah. And, okay. you know, it wasn't fun having to go to study hall while the rest of my other friends was able to, well, as soon as we got done, they were able to go back and do what they needed to do, right? Mm-hmm. But it just, it, it showed me at that time, like, and I've always kind of been on that path where I did things which added up to my career is when I made it to the NFL because I did you heard the 10,000 hour rule right yes so I look back at my training and the things that I did outside of my everyday practice how many hours I put in outside of that it added up to about 10,000 hours so what difference would that be in studying the same way with school and stuff like that right Mm -hmm. so I just look back at those moments and I'm able to like pinpoint and it makes sense to me as to how and how things develop and how they happen and just like the whole entire scope of mentorship, being able to have people around that can pour into you but also can guide you through this process. Like mm-hmm. I said, I didn't have neither one of my parents knew. Right. You know what I'm saying? We just was like, this is what we're going to do, this is the plan. Mm-hmm. Both of my parents lost their jobs as soon as I went to college. Wow. So even having to face that and having to work while I was in So I'm a student athlete having to work mm-hmm. and just barely making it. Were you <laughs> sending money back home? I was. You were? So you had the you had the weirdest freshman year. Like you literally were putting yourself into an educational strain. Mm-hmm. You financially taking care of your, your parents or chipping in. Chipping in. Right? Yeah. And then you also are trying to build your career as a um a student athlete. Mm-hmm. Now, did you also have dreams of you had? Yeah, you had dreams of becoming um, both as a. Um, did you have dreams of going to the NFL? That's the question. I think all kids have dreams of that while you're playing. Okay. But the reality of it hit for me when I got to college. Like, it's a possibility that this won't happen. Um, won't happen. I, 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 I wasn't really thinking about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was more focused on being, I and, and just knowing to perform. 
the best that I could then. Mm-hmm. And as I started going through, and as I'm starting to pick up, I'm noticing like guys that I'm playing against are getting signs of the NFL. But it's still not registering me because it's just life happening at that point. My dad has cancer. I just trying to get the day, like <laughs> each day, mm-hmm. get through each day. Mm-hmm. And I still had the dream of it, but the business part of college sports and the stuff that I, the experience that I went through kind of drained me from the sport. So most people know that the person that comes and recruits you, it's like dating. They put on the best representative. Mm-hmm. When you get to campus, you don't even end up liking the You don't even like the person. Because it's a total, it's a it's a 180 switch. It's a 180 switch. And it was not fun anymore because of how it was and how I looked at it. It's just like, man, it's just riding me. Like it's just, and then I got life going on. I got this right. and just like. You supposed to be supporting me. You said like all these things you told my parents you would do, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't really see any of this. But right. understanding it now is like it's a business. They trying to save their jobs. It's it's it's, it's plenty of guys. You got to worry about grades, mm-hmm. recruiting, all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I have a little grace looking back at it now because I understand the load right. that, that, that a college coach is under. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it stripped a lot of the fun away from it for me. And I just was like, I was just focusing on, let me, let me, let me get my degree. Let me just get out of this. Yeah. And then, um, so Northeastern is a, is a five-year school, which, um, you do a middler year, which would be considered an intern, but they break it up and they put it in between maybe like a sophomore year and a junior year. So, um, I started working in, I worked at Instar Gas. That was my first internship, my sophomore year. Where is Instar Gas located? It's in uh, Boston. Okay. Yeah, Boston, Massachusetts. I was working there, and I was uh, I was doing like uh, see a lot of the old gas lines and stuff like that were wood, so they come through and you know they replace and stuff like that. Yeah, so they would come through, and some of them are still wood or different, and they would be replacing them. So I would go through and pick an area that had this um this mapping system, which was like a GPS for pipes throughout the city. And I would go through and have to map it out. And if they were doing a repair on one, talk about the repair, break it down. That was my first one. Then my second one, I actually came home in 2009. That was my last year actually playing. And um, I had a couple workouts for a few NFL teams. And one in particular, the guy came. He was like, yeah, I really like you. You know, um, it's for the St. Louis Rams at the time. He says, you know, um, I'm really gonna fight to get you out of there. A lot of people have told me stuff. Alright, bro. But um I ended up coming home for the spring semester to work for Delta Airlines. I got an internship there. And so okay. that was my final one. And I was a 21-year-old engineering major working in a uh I worked in a thrust reverser shop, which was that's what helps the plane slow down. So whenever you land and you hear that loud rumbling, what happens is these shells come out on the side of the, the engine and then the pilot um, puts the plane in full, just like if you were taking off. That's why it feels like you literally yeah. in mid-air, yeah. you like, hold and up. That's, that's the thrust reversal. But actually, it's when you land. Oh. Yeah, so it's when you land. If you ever okay. sit, sit in front of the wings uh-huh. and you see it's a, it's a sleeve that opens up and comes back and these little green shells are in there. 
what happens is these sleeves come out and they connect and reverse the airflow back out the other way. Slow the plane down. Slow the plane down without yeah. having to use brakes. Yeah. It's coming in at a higher speed, so you don't want to necessarily just use brakes to bring it up. I got you. I have a question though. So I work at Delta too, and I know tech ops is predominantly older white, white. male. I was a young twenty-one-year-old black man over a fleet of all white mechanics. Yes. So what is it like for you going? Like, how did you, how did that shape your identity? Like, going from, you're in Boston, so I would imagine that's also predominantly white. Yeah. And then going into this environment, how did it shape you into a, a different person? Was it the older people around you, or was it being in the predominant white? Like, what was the most impactful thing about going into that environment? I think the first part was being put, coming from a predominantly black area and going to a, a PWI. Okay. So that was the first experience. Shell shock. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen too many black like at all, and then even encountering with other um, blacks, it was like, "What are you? Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean?" Like, yeah, I know that. I'm coming from the south. I'm like, I'm black. I'm black. <laughs> and you're an engineering major, yeah, which is a very serious major. What, no matter what, what yeah, race and, and even with that, it was like maybe two of us in the classroom. Yeah. Like the rest would be Asian mm-hmm. or white. Yeah. You know? yeah. And um coming back, I would I would uh so in in, in, in retrospect of coming back to Atlanta and what it prepared me for, the one thing that jailed it was football. Mm, that's where you created a relationship. So it didn't even feel like there was a disconnect because you knew how to have a conversation about the things that you love anyway. Right. I'm curious, since you kind of, it kind of, your experience in college stripped away that enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Did you getting into college and having like, I'm sorry, football and having conversations with people like invigorate your love for football again? At that time? Yeah. No. No, you were just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. I still, yeah. I ain't gonna lie, I was a little bitter still. Yeah. I was a little bitter bill for a little minute. Yeah. And I, and, but I, I wouldn't even, maybe I wasn't a bitter bill, but I was just focused on, okay. That was my last year plan. I'm coming home to see what the real world has to offer in engineering. Let me focus on that. And I never forget my mom. And this, this, this is this is what speaks to the power of the tongue. My mom asked me at this time. She said, "Hey, have you been working out?" And I'm like, "Nah, it's over with." Oh, let's let's focus on this. Let's just go ahead and get this last year of school done. I came here. I like what you know. What's going on with Delta? I'm gonna try to just you know train. You're gonna get a full time job. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Life just... benefits for looking on. appealing. Come on. <laughs> Come on. The pay well. Come yeah. and say that. Okay, I can. I can do this. Mm. So she says, I got a feeling you're gonna get a call and get it from the NFL and you're not gonna be ready. And I'm like, Nah, it's done, mom. So fast forward, I'm still in my internship and. We were watching the draft, and we get to the final day of the draft, and I'm sitting there watching, and I've watched five people that I played against that I felt like I dominated, that mm-hmm. I played well against, mm-hmm. that didn't do nothing against me. I'm like, dang, I just got drafted. Dang, this person just got drafted. So bitter bill again. I leave the house. I'm like, man, I'm not watching the draft. I'm, I'm done. I go. This is like maybe like uh, 30 minutes left in the draft. I go to – um. They were having East Atlanta Day. I go there. I'm out there riding four wheelers, just having a good old grand old time. And I miss a phone call from a 314 number. <laughs> oh I check the message, and, and it's it's the guy who said, "I'm gonna ride for you." He said, "Hey, 
I told you if you were still available, I'm coming back. I got one more space. We're going to sign you. I pull over. <laughs> I pull over in the car and I just start shaking. Oh. I call him back. He's like, hey, I told you, you know, <laughs> he's like, I told you you're still available. You know, you're still around. I'm surprised you're still around, but hey, we're going to bring you in. This is your signing bonus. And I'm like, first thing that goes to my mind, I ain't been working out. Mama said it. Mama said it. Ooh. So I call her. She goes, what? Mm-hmm. I immediately drive to her house. <laughs> and I get in the house and I have a, I, I, I never forget. <laughs> I, I lean back on the door and I slide down the wall. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I've been working out, but I ain't even going to like this. Like, and they like, oh yeah, you flying in next week. And for context, what are other people doing? Like, what are your peers doing during the time while you're in your internship and not even? They're training. Like, they're getting ready for that moment. Like, they're legit. Some some are out at different facilities in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Some are at like different places. I didn't have the money to go in. Like, these places are like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to train just for six weeks. Mm. That's how we know you're super present. Like, you you were literally. You remember I asked you like about this dream. You like. I'm here. I'm here to making the most of this present situation. That's how you could tell. Like you literally were in the moment. Okay, so you go to mama's house. You're like, okay, what am I gonna do? Fear kicks in. Absolutely. Because now I'm like, I'm getting that. Dang, I, I, I'm blessed with this opportunity, but I'm gonna trick it out because I, I ain't prepared. Then next day I start working out. <laughs> <laughs> I worked out for like four days straight. Let me tell you, I got worked out. So usually on a mini camp, so a mini camp is where um, the team comes in, mm-hmm. you all work out together, and you, you do like a you do a whole bunch of practices and things like that. So typically for a team, they do a rookie mini camp. Okay. The rookie mini camp, they're gonna bring in all the rookies that they just drafted and signed, mm-hmm. and they will fabricate a, a another team around this group of rookies, also other people who are trying out. Okay. So I'm gonna bring in Ari. I'm gonna bring in this person. I'm gonna bring in this person. You're gonna get a, a, a weekend just to try, and you could possibly be signed. But we know who we're looking at already. Okay. We're looking at our core group of people. We're gonna build a fake team. Okay. I want to say a fake team, but we're gonna build a team around these people. So I got lucky because it was a new head coach, and when a new head coach comes in, they bring in the veterans too. So I didn't have to do as many reps. <laughs> Saved by the bell. And were you super sore? Like, you done worked out four days a week. I wasn't super sore, but I mean, I knew I had to get what I needed to get done. But long story short, like, mm-hmm. it worked out. Um, mm-hmm. I come back home. Now I'm training every day. <laughs> I never forget because I, I went back in and I'm like, I tell the guys in the, um, in the, in the, uh, at Tech Ops, I'm like, yo, I got signed. Everybody's excited. Wow. And I'm like, um, yeah, I got to leave in two weeks. Mm-hmm. This is right when my flight benefits kick in. So I'm like, <laughs> what's up? Y'all going to let me keep these flight benefits? They like, nah. <laughs> I'm like, but dang, I mean, it's a good little thing. You know, it's a good little story. Right. So they like, nah. <laughs> so, um, that's funny. yeah, that next week I go in and I just, I train. Then I come back home. I didn't even have an agent at the time when I got signed. This was just somebody called my phone. I got an agent. Um, I started training. I did all this stuff on my own, and then I made the team. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. How aware of your brand were you at the time? No. Because at this point, you're literally at a point where 
Tech Ops is a wonderful career. Like, it, but you kind of went from like, you you were at the fork between kind of average, kind of regular person, mm -hmm. and then to this like stratosphere type of career. And up until that point, you didn't necessarily know how people looked at you or how your brand was coming on. Nah. What would you say it was in retrospect? College kid who went and played football. That's <laughs> like, not. That clearly can't be it, right? It can't. It be can't it. be. But that's how I saw myself. Then right. was just I'm just doing. I'm doing the thing. The thing is to go, you know, be a good student, yeah. play ball, come back and get you a job. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, and football comes from a love. Um, yes. You, you loved it, right? Yeah. But then, as you, as soon as you got to college, life got real. Yeah. And it drained some of the fun from it. So during this time in your life, where were you getting like enjoyment, fulfillment? Where were you getting those outlets for fun? Um, that's a great question. I still had a core group of like teammates and stuff around. You know what I'm saying? That and with Boston being a melting pot, it was different things we did. So like I was introduced to um carnival. Mm -hmm. I was introduced to multicultural things where like like going to a party in Boston, you're gonna hear soca, you're gonna hear that first, and then you're gonna get hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> Which is vice versa in the South. You're yes. going to get hip hop for the 45 and you're you going to get, get sofa for about a five. <laughs> so um, I had different things that I enjoyed doing, but I still had like my passionate cars. I still had things like that that I enjoyed doing. And my job on campus, I worked um, for the facilities, which was repairing all of the uh, repairing the police cars, the, the vans, and all that kind of stuff. So I still, I, I still enjoyed mm -hmm. that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I still had things that I enjoyed doing, like I, I bowl. I, I had a lot of different things at different outlets that you know that helped out in this process. So it wasn't, I, I wasn't just like a Debbie Downer. Like I still had a fun time in college. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. I, I only ask because, like you know, for you to go into college and start your first year in like uh, core classes. And also your family, your family be going through what they were going through, from health issues to jobs, mm -hmm. um, and even taking the whole like fun away from football for a moment and learning the business side of things. You know, one would imagine you had to harden yourself, you know, emotionally, kind of focus on what it is at the, at the moment. Definitely. And I, I, so I could see how that could possibly like, you know, just keep you. Definitely had to harden myself. What, what would you actually say? Like, what would you say helped you uncover that, or did you actually realize it? In the moment, like, I, I didn't realize it in the moment. I told you, like, I, I feel that I'm an enigma, and I adapt to I adapt to certain things and, and things that go around me, mm -hmm. and I've been able to suppress certain things. Yes, suppress is the is the word that's like that yeah. I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I was able to compartmentalize. Okay, okay. this is going on back home. Yeah, but this is going to end up with what's right. going on back home. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually didn't come home as much mm -hmm. because of the finance. Like, I didn't want to be going back and forth as much. But I had a ton, like, my family um, really came close and like, just supported and did like that. So if I needed to get back home, if it was something like that, my uncles and my aunts, um, all of them, like, it really was a village. Okay. It 100% was a village. Yeah. And my parents did a great job of, um, even when adversity struck, like making sure to maintain, stay to maintain, which I commend them on. Because I mean, I look at it as an adult, then I'm like, dang, y'all was able to do this with that, and how? Like, and I don't even have kids, like how? You know? So just just realizing um, 
you know, some of the decisions and some of the things that they might have sacrificed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To to ensure that everything didn't impact me like that. Yeah. You said make sure the main thing is the main thing. So the first chapter is like definitely like do the thing, get the results, get to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. So now we're at a place where you get the call, you get sent into this whole new stratosphere, mm-hmm. and life starts to change for you. What was the first couple of things that let you know like, oh, I'm in a whole different ball game? I think the the mm, the first thing was just to get there and actually I would have like real out of body experiences, just like looking around, looking at the helmets, and it's like, oh, these are the I'm standing beside Mark Bowles, I'm standing beside Stephen Jackson. I'm having conversations with them, like, like you know what I'm saying? They're, these are peers, man. You know, these are my teammates. Um, but I think it was their first check. Their first check? Their first check. <laughs> <laughs> when that first check came, I was like, oh. This is real. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> That's interesting. This is real. Now, you didn't know your personal, you didn't know your brand at the time before. How I still didn't know it then. Really? How did this start? You don't know. So in hindsight, I feel like this is shaping your identity in a way. I feel like there are building blocks. The first building blocks, of course, is like, you, you, you said it really well, making the main thing the main thing. So mm-hmm. your college career essentially was you focusing on the main thing, which for you it sounds like was education and then it yeah. was school. You did what and you granted, did. I got signed before my last year, so I didn't get my degree. Really? You got all this information in your head. This is a whole another topic. It's funny. It reminds me of when we were going. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, that's a whole that's a whole other tangent. Yeah. So this is shaping your identity. We have building blocks. Literally, you got the check. You're sitting around people who, you know, are seen as some of the like um, mm-hmm. celebrities and big guys, and they're they're now your peers. Mm-hmm. This is not having any type of effect effect on your your identity right now. Okay, so when you say having a effect on my identity is like you talking about from the mind like from the yeah from like, the did mindset you feeling thing? yourself did you realize okay I'm, I'm i'm in a level of success did you realize okay i can take a breather now no like none of that because I, I never felt like i had made it because i one thing you'll understand so <laughs> it's a funny thing we had this thing in the locker room called the grim reaper mm. so it's it's an individual that pretty much when you see him standing by the door, somebody's ready to cut. You are. Being a professional athlete, you're on an interview every day. Okay. Okay. Every day. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like, yeah, you got your marquee player that is on the cover of everything. And you know that he's there to stay. But everybody else is expanding. Okay. Can be gone just like this. And I seen it. I seen you guys come in, be, be at practice one day, come back out, they go on the next day. You're on a job every single day. Mm. I watched a guy get cut because he was on his phone in the movie. What? Yeah. So you go from making, I would say, six or seven figures a month, right? No, not a month. It wasn't a month? Okay. Mm. It, okay. I, I've seen a couple in the film. Yeah, <laughs> some of them, but I think uh, my rookie contract was 310000 Okay. For a year. For a year. And okay. You take gotcha. that and you divide it by 16 games. Okay. And that's how you can calculate. Okay. And I just gave away a whole. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trying to understand, it. like it's it's interesting because like we're and that's if you're on the active roster. Um. Only it's a 53 man roster, and there are eight. It was eight guys at the time on practice squad. I think now it's 10 or 11. 
Okay. And the practice squad, I think at that time you made eighty thousand. Okay. So you go from three hundred to eighty if you on the practice squad, and I bounced up and down. So okay, I might have been on the practice squad for a couple like eight nine weeks, and then I might have been on the active roster for two weeks, and then oh, take okay. me back down. So it was like that. Okay, so I can see how that keeps you real, like because you yeah. you don't feel safe just yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us more. So you you went you you're in the, you're in the atmosphere. You're playing a couple games. And what was the next, like... And I think the other one that hit me, too, was when I came out that tunnel and heard all the people. I can only imagine. It was like, oh, wow. But you experienced that in college, didn't you? Yeah, but not on that magnitude. Northeastern was not, like, the biggest... I played... I played at, We played against Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. which was uh, 80,000 students. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. 80,000 students. Screaming. Yelling, all that. Yeah, yeah. But my school wasn't a big school like that, so I might have had 150 to 200 people. Okay, so this is a huge ego booster. You know what I'm saying? But okay. that never, during the game, it never really dawned upon you mm-hmm. until you out there and they screaming and yelling at you. We can't even have a conversation like this because it's so loud. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a that was another turning point for me. Um, in this process, but then here comes the, the ebbs and flows there. After that, I go through my first year, um, they go and they draft two guys, I get cut. Okay. But this is when it was it was it was it was brought to me how important establishing relationships are and just being a good person. Because it was a guy by the name of Art Valero, the coach, and he said, Hey, you can really play at this level. He said, if I'm if I got another job and I'm on another team and you ever get cut, call me first. So I get cut in the right after the draft of 2010. So I was only on the St. Louis Rams for one year. I get cut. I call Art. I said, hey, they just released me. He's like, okay, let me make a call. He was already, he already had a job in Seattle with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. When Pete Carroll first got there, he makes a call. Boom. I might, I might have drove, packed myself, drove home. I might have got comfortable here for like a couple hours, and I was on the next plane out to go to Seattle. Okay. I go out there, I stick through, I bounce up and down on the active roster. Then maybe like five weeks into the season, I get cut again. Okay. Now I come back home again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might spend like four weeks at home. Then boom, I'm back I'm on a plane in Minnesota. This is 2010. I'm on, I'm on a plane in Minnesota. I end up sticking out the rest of the year there, all the way into the next season. Mm-hmm. I hurt my ankle. Mm. I take an injury settlement. Um, this is when I learned the business of, of an agent and how important it is for representation and for them to fight for you. And I told my agent, I'm like, hey, this injury is like a six to seven week injury. You sure you want to take a two week injury settlement? And a two week injury settlement would pay me my salary for only two weeks. Okay. But it's a lot of red tape. And he was like, well, yeah, the team wants to bring you back. If you do the two weeks, they can bring you back after eight weeks. There's no loyalty in this business. Mm-hmm. So you gotta put yourself first. Yeah, but we end up taking a two week settlement. Oh, okay. Because this is what was suggested. Mm, that's what you mean by it's no loyalty in this business. Yeah, but it's also like representation. Okay. So, um, boom, week eight comes. I ain't heard nothing. Mm-hmm. Hey, bro, what's up? Oh, they, you know, they said they're gonna put. So that's when I learned protect your client. Mm-hmm. Protect your client at all costs. Yeah. And um, then <laughs> I get a call from the, the Saints. I end up going working out for them, have a great workout, 
you know, choosing a, a young guy uh, who ran a very, a very fast 40 time at the time. They signed him and then they bring me back in. Now, out of all this time, a lot of people think that I'm making a lot of money because I'm playing and you seeing this. But now I'm now my money is depleting. Yeah. So I might have made like 110 my first year. Mm-hmm. I might have made 50 my second year. My third year, I might have made 30. Mm-hmm. Now I go into my fourth year in the NFL, I make $12,000. Wow. With gaining, you know, different cars and house and all this stuff. But my fun, like, this is going here. 2012 is my worst year financially. I legit go broke. Wild playing. I get cut before the season starts. I go and I try to play in another league. The league, I go there and I play in one game and the league folds before we even finish the game. Folds. The league folds. The league folds. They go bankrupt. Now I'm not, I'm stuck in Vegas. Like, how am I going to get back home? I ain't really got no money to get back home. We don't know when this check is going to come. I was waiting for a $4,000 check, but I'm stuck in the city. I'm like, how am I going to get home? By the grace of God, they fly us back out home. Mm, just out of like the good, not the goodness, but like, hey, yeah, let's like, at least at least, let's at least get these boys back to their home. That's so terrible. Um, That's so terrible. Yeah, and um, I come back home. Now my mom, I order this again. Yeah. My mom says, "Don't you think? Don't you think that you should hang it up? Okay. Yeah, I think it's time for you to just go get a degree, get your, you know, do that and." Just uh, come on back to the real world. I'm like, nah, I know I can play at this level. My dad is still having health issues, but I'm like, nah, I can do this. So, um, my other enlightening moment is I come back home from New Orleans because I was living there at the time, and um, I moved back in with my with my mom and dad. I got an eighty thousand dollar car in the driveway, um, two notes behind at this point, and I never forget. Um, I come back, I asked my mentor at the time who owns a couple five guys burger fries. I'm like, hey, I'm struggling. This was somebody who I was that he was like, I said, I'm struggling. Like, I need some money to pay my car note. It was really my only. And he's like, you don't, you don't have, you're not getting out of football what you want because you're not keeping the main thing, the main thing, which comes the second time I hear this. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, I'm trying to figure out. What to invest in? What to do this? I need to do this, like, cause I'm now I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out something. Okay. So I'm like, okay. And he's one of those people, like, with passion. He's one of those people where like he's gonna give it to you, and you need to go and find the message. He's not just gonna be like, All right, you need to go do this. I go home later that day, and I'm like, okay, keep it like that. I go to a friend of mine, Ernest Ross, who's a very popular trainer here. I'm like, hey, I don't have the money to pay you to train. But let me just come here and train. I know I got what it takes. He allows me to train in his gym for free. No problem. I come back home. Now I'm month three into, you know, on the third moment, you're 90 days past it. I'm sleeping. Oh. Alarm is going crazy. My mom comes in there. She's friend. Somebody's outside. They're still in your car. I wake up and I look out. I'm like, oh, no, nah, they ain't still in the car. <laughs> I get up. I take the key out to the guy. I say, Hey man, just I hit the button. I'm like, can y'all just drive it off? You know, just keep it up for three o'clock in the morning. I give them the key. I go back upstairs. I get right back in the bed. The freest I have ever felt. Wow. The freest I have ever felt. And the only reason I was keeping that car was because of status. 
because I didn't want people to be like, oh, what happened to your car? Well, you know, yeah, why you ain't, you know, all that kind of stuff. Even for my mom, she was just like, you know, why did you do that? Why are you just insane? It's like, at this point, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. I locked in and I trained, and at this time, this was it's crazy how, how, how everything happened because in the process of that, me coming back home, I was able to spend the last four months with my dad. He passed April 4, 2013. I, um, I would legit take his car. I would go train. I would bust my butt, come back home. I would help him with his dialysis stuff. Now, my mom is even more fish. She's like, you don't want to get a job. You don't want to do this. You just want to go train and you want to come back. Mm. And <laughs> i never forget, the day that my dad passed, I signed to go play in the CFL. Like, legit, I walk in, his body is still there. I walk in right after he passed, his body is still there. I get a phone call from my agent. Hey, um, the BC line want to sign you. Um, you know, they want to sign you, they want to bring you up. This is the contract, this is the deal. Mm. And I go there and I have an all-star year my first year. Mm. Excel, do very well in the CFL. Um, and you know, I feel and ooh. and in that I had to come back and show my mom the power of just really locking in. And once she saw it, she was like, "Okay, now I see." Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, "You were the same person who spoke life into this, yeah. but you also could have spoke death into this." Mm-hmm. But I had to legit block everything out and just focus okay. and have tunnel vision, which is kind of I feel like you were at you were in the focus when you were in school, but maybe you just lost focus down the line where was your dad like where was he where was his like um wisdom or what was his point of view during um, this time? i think he just for him it was just never give up never give up yeah it was it was it was it was legit never get up and i watched him through his health battles and i knew it was something that he really wanted to see me excel in mm-hmm. with sports mm-hmm. he didn't play football he didn't do anything but he was always there you know and it was always my reminder and even with my mom stuff like I watched my mom battle health stuff. So for me, it was never give up. It was always keep pushing, find a way. Yeah. And that was my, that was my, that was my thing at the time. Okay. Can I ask you, like, when we, the acceleration at the CFL is, that, that's literally amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Every time, I want to end the movie right there so we can just be like, yeah. <laughs> but the story gets better. I'm curious, though, when you got the um, information, the wisdom from Mr. What was Mr. Patrick. Mr. Patrick. And he said, just let the main thing be the main thing, mm-hmm. right? At the time, you said you were investing, you were trying to figure out your money. Mm-hmm. You also, did you lose, like, interest in, like, the engineering part? Or, like, was it investing it became, football? It became life. It was like, life. It just became life at this point. Mm-hmm. I got bills to pay. Got you. So that's what you meant by the main thing. Yeah, main like, thing. the main thing was if football is the main thing, focus on that. That is the biggest piece of the pie that brings in the income. Mm-hmm. I think David said it at one point, or um, or it was a David or Matt, it was like, what people thing? have so many things that they don't do well. Oh, I need multiple streams of income. Absolutely. But these are drip drops of streams versus mm-hmm. you have one thing that can be a big, let's mm-hmm. focus on that, let's get that going, let's get that where it's producing and doing. And then we can start Building on building other on things. other things, but the the thing about your story that's unique. So yes, we read the one thing in the morning meetup, but what's unique about like why you're focusing on the other things? You're, it's like you're kind of like in survival mode. Yes, and it's not necessarily like oh, I got a passion here, I got a passion here, because it'd be different if you're like on a weekend. I'm, try, I'm trying to find myself. I'm legit yeah. trying to find myself mm. in part of a career mm. which I know has a, a, a life expectancy of three years. Mm. 
average career for an NFL football player is three years. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, so when I go talk to kids, I ask them, do you think you can feed your family off of three years for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Just be honest about it, you know? So just understanding that I was trying to prepare myself, you know, for everything. You know, everybody's saying, oh, you need to make sure you're doing it. You need to make sure you're doing that. But not really having that true, like, guidance of, okay, that true coach, of, you know, a life coach or something like that. They're saying, like, okay, I get what you're trying to do, but let's let's throw some order in this. Let's bring this back together. What are some of the things that you're interested in? Like, what are some things you want to do? And all that kind of stuff. Okay. So since you focused on the one thing, you got major results from doing that. What is something that you learned about yourself as you were trying to find it? Because, well, I think that leads to kind of like where we are today, potentially. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you find yourself in that process? How did you find that? Um, that when I lock in, when I focus, I can do anything. Okay. Like, that, when I get laser focused on something, mm-hmm. I, can, I can do it. I can accomplish it. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily like, okay, you know what? That makes sense. My mind is still like, oh, maybe he learned that like he would be, you know, good at branding or you didn't know none I of that. I still didn't know. It's one. You ever heard that term? Um, you don't get the uh, picture because you're in the frame. Mm-hmm. It's only a limited amount of people who can be in it. And, and, and still be like, like I had a whole, one of my, I, I, I just posted him, I, he just stopped playing and we started playing together. But I watched him network and do brand and stuff and I just was like, well, you're not going to miss out the park. But at my time at that point, he was like, alright, well nah, you need to focus on football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he did it well at networking and branding himself and doing some stuff and I'm able to look back at that now and I'm like, dang, okay, this is what I should have been doing as far as the, the branding part mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. because at that time it's just a lot of playing play football just focus on that yeah but now I'm like okay if I would have had the right people around the right coaches around or just people who were thinking more like that to say all right look you focus on that we're going to help you deal with this and just make it a little easier for you yeah it can it, it could have been yeah, that wishful thinking right right I mean, right. that's, that's just <laughs> You know, some of us are made to cut down paths. Yeah, I feel like you're a pioneer. Some of us are made to cut down paths and turn around and say, hey, y'all come this way. Uh-huh. I found it easier way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I had to talk to my auntie about that. Like, she's an entrepreneur and the thing that I'm like, damn, I, said, I, don't, I don't always want to cut the path down. Like, I don't always want to do that. Yeah. But that's if, that's, if that's what you, if that's what you do, that's what you're going to do. That's the calling for you to go and cut it down and say, hey, hey, everybody, found a way. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So how long were you at the CFL? I spent um, five years there. Oh. So I spent four years mm-hmm. in the NFL. I ended up spending five years playing the CFL. Okay. Okay. And then um, did you at some point decide, like, have an exit strategy or were nope. you also coming I was forced out. You were I was, forced? I was forced out. Was it age or was it, like, It was age and I, I stood on what I wanted to be paid. Oh, okay. Because yeah, okay. I knew my value, mm-hmm. and um, it was either that or take a pay cut, and I didn't feel that taking a pay cut was good. Uh, it, it just wasn't it wasn't a good idea mm-hmm. because I feel like it dropped the market value for guys, for other guys who were my age. Wow. Who were playing, and if you take less money, then it's going to say, oh, well, so-and-so took less money, and they had better stats than you. That's when I started understanding Branding yeah. and your influence in this world. Yep. And did you have to like fight for yourself? Did you have an agent at this time, or you were? I did, but I knew 
I knew the meat and potatoes of negotiating. So a lot of those deals I negotiated myself. Okay. That's amazing. So this is the time where you become aware of the power of your tongue and the power of your influence. Yep. So you decide to step down. I didn't. I was forced down. Okay. Because at this point, just nobody else would sign. They, mm-hmm. they, it just became, it becomes, in sports, it becomes younger, cheaper. Mm-hmm. It legit become. can we get Ari, who's coming in, who's eager to be here at 22, can we pay her 45000 versus paying you 125000 and we feel that we can do that. Okay. And that's why the retention rate for football, that's why the turnover rate is so high because it's, it's always going to be a new set of young cats coming out. They make sure who are eager, eager, who are hungry, who might not be as good as you, but mm-hmm. they're going to be cheaper. Yeah. We got to keep that salary cap down. And that's when I understand the business side of it. Yeah. It's the sports business. Mm. You recognize the business side of it in college and now you understand it I later understand. on in the game. Yeah. So now that you have to figure out, you you were forced out. It sounds like this is a time where you have to find a new main thing. Mm-hmm. It's no longer going to be football. Did you know this was the end for football? Or were you still like, oh, God, going to give me an alley-oop. I might get back into football. I, I, stayed, I, I, I stayed training. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm 34 now. That was when I was 30, 31. I, I kept the dream alive for two more years. <laughs> like I kept it alive for two more years. I, I worked out constantly and yeah. stayed ready, but it became a point where I was like, all right, it's, it's on with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what was the transition like for you to find your new one thing? Whew, what was it like? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was hard. I can imagine <laughs> it, it was, was hard. Difficult. Nah, it was, it was tough just because people saw me for just football. People mm. legit just, and... I guess with my confidence and how I think, like, I was put in a place where people, I, I guess they said, well, he'll figure it out. I don't want to figure it out. Can you tell me about something to I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> and um, I came back home. A friend of mine was was um, training. At, so in between that, I would, um, I would train athletes. So I knew that like coaching or something like that was that, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. I need something that's going like you say, I build that this I need something that's gonna, you know, be sustainable. And I kept training, I kept training, and then it started to to and this is when I realized how important it is to have the right core of people around. Mm-hmm. Because you be introduced to certain things, you start seeing different things. And having a mentor, having a life coach, and having individuals around who can can help and can steer. Um, because all the guys that I've seen that have been able to transition and transition well, they started working on this before they were headed out, but they also had people to tap into things that they enjoyed doing. Okay. So I, I watch guys who, you know, started, you know, interning at ESPN or different things like that, which would transition them into being in broadcast. You know, being an analyst mm-hmm. or doing stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I came back. I started training. I was doing that, and then um, Desi, who, who I who I work with as a client, who I um, was who I just was managing, mm-hmm. um, he was playing football. So um, my boy was training him, and then uh, I was in the gym one day, and we were sitting there talking, and he was talking about his career. And I knew at the time he had went viral a few times. And this is before, this is the fine days. So I will always see his stuff. Got it. And um, 
I came back home and I was like, uh, I seen him working out of training one day. He was me, he's like, man, I'm uh, about to start doing stand up. And I went to watch his show. I was like, okay. And at this time, I think he had like 400 or something thousand followers. That was Ooh. a lot of followers. Yeah. In 2000, I think this was 2016, 17. Wow. And um, I went and watched the show. Mm-hmm. And then I started asking him questions. I was like, well, you ain't, you ain't gonna have a, um, you're not getting endorsements? Like, that's a lot of people following you. I just was being inquisitive. And mm-hmm. he was like, uh, you know, I, some people have reached out with different stuff. and. Okay, so my my brain and, and, and it's crazy because at the time people would come to me and like they need to shoot. Oh, go go. Uh, oh, you need to train. Oh, go talk to this person. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm a dot connector. I know I can't connect it, but how do I make? I just keep saying it like, how, oh, I need a plumber. Oh, I know such like. So I'm like, okay, I didn't necessarily know what that was at the time. So he goes and he has a show in New Orleans. I drive down to see the show. I come back. We we roll back together, and I'm I was talking with a friend of mine who was a stylist at the time. For she worked with Kanye, the Future, and a lot of young, a lot of different people um, styling. And I was like, hey, I got a friend who got a lot of followers. Um, you know, yo, you can get him some endorsement deals. Da, da, da. And we sitting there having lunch. She was like, cool. I mean, I can. I don't really know, but she said, you sound like a manager. I'm like. And I'm like, what is the manager? She was like, well, it's nothing but leverage and relationships. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I was like, what? Like, what do I do with manager? She was like, well, they answer emails, they do. This. She starts giving me that. And I'm like, oh, that don't sound. Yeah, I don't sound sexy. To me. Okay. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so she's like, no, that's what it is. She was like, that's what you're doing. You gonna work with this person? I'm like, nah, I'm just really trying to help him out and you know get. It. So she's like, nah, you really need to think about this. So. I go home, I start researching. I asked him one more time. I was like, yo, so Nike, ain't nobody ever reached out there. He's like, look, I ain't got no deals. He's like, but if you feel like you can get some, go get them. I'm like, okay. So I think about it. I call her again. I said, he said, I mean, if I can get some stuff, go get them. <laughs> she said, okay, well, so I'm like, you need to get to work. <laughs> so I'm like, but I don't know how to do this. She said, Cord, you got some emails, start going through your phone, looking at people that you encountered while you were playing. Mm-hmm. Go through and look at some of your classmates who have, while you were playing, have moved up in different companies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, cool. So I just started cold calling people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm working with, with this guy. I know influencers are new, but he has 400,000 followers. If anything comes across your desk that you're interested in advertising, if you're interested in doing an endorsement, Give me a call. Cool. Nothing. Mm. I come back to him. I'm like, I'm going to do this, but give me 90 days. I'm like, just give me 90 days to start this stuff. So I started answering emails and deals and stuff started coming through. I negotiated my first deal. I did the show. I'm like, okay. I'm going to do this. Then mm. another show started coming in. Then a couple of brands reach out. I land those deals. And then next thing you know, we two and a half years into this and we built the brand that you see, you know, that, that he has. Mm. I'm all into, I, I'm, I'm such a, like, I'm into, like, the different, like, um, turning points of your story. So, oh, yeah, I, I look at it. It's a lot of these. Yeah, but I'm curious, like, Desi is, is, a, is, in, the, is a, in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, 
And before this woman brought this to your attention, that you could be a manager, you're just utilizing your skill sets to like on the cuff, like just to yeah. help somebody find. And resources. that's what I that's what I've always done. Like I've mm-hmm. always like if a friend, hey, you should connect with this person. Mm-hmm. They go off and make magic. Yeah. Do you feel like the entertainment in the industry allows you to stay keep stay natural? Or do you find that there are other industries that you work in that just require you to work harder at that natural skill? I think it's I think it's the second one. I think it's more so that because mm-hmm. I see that how my mind works, like with strategy, with how I can be in a room full of people and I can just sit there and listen for a minute and I'm like, oh, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, mm-hmm. or just, you know, believing in it. Like, at the first, that, I think that was the first part, was just really believing, like, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Because, you you know, sometimes you'd be intimidated because you're like, I don't really, you know, but as you start to close things and you start to really research and just start to really reverse engineer things and then it becomes business and you're like, okay, this is just business. Okay, cool. How do I go in? And then I started thinking. I said, well, I know how my age, how I felt when my agent didn't represent me the way I wanted right. it to. So I'm going to be that for my people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to fight it. You know, it was some stuff that I went and closed deals on and I know Desi was thinking to me like, you are crazy. You really finna? Yes, I'm pushing for this. When I came back with it, it was like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. like this is it. Yeah. And um, just being able to see how social media has just like leveled the playing field when it came to so many things. Like access? Access. Mm-hmm. Um, access, also being able to be find a, a niche in something and work it. And how a lot of people are not optimizing it the way they should be. Right. Like, and are not making money off of it. They're just doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think for a lot of influencers, sometimes it's fun, but then when the business part hits, it becomes like, Ooh, I didn't really sign up for this, you know? Mm-hmm. And having that, because they start being, a, they start getting approached by so many different people. Yeah. I don't even like I don't even like looking at it as management. I look I like to look at it as like I'm your business partner. Yeah. We're just going in and close the deal. Yeah. And I'm just a, a little shield. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be able to block some of the stuff that come with it so they don't have so much access to it. Because they know if they got access to you, they can put something in front of you and try to box you into a corner and get you to agree to doing something. Right. Real quick because because mm. of who they are or what they're doing. And um I'm one of those people I just love the process. I love sitting there talking about something and then going from us talking about it to being on paper, and then on paper to be being executed and then the final product. Wow, this was just a thought. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? This was just a thought. Like yeah. your podcast. I'm pretty sure you like to, to see if it wishes like, hey, I'm doing this. This was just a thought for a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And understanding like this, the sports background too, this is the process. It's we're all working towards the same common goal, um, which is if it's a Super Bowl, if it's a championship, it's we know what the mission is. We're gonna start and it's to train, work out, do the things you need to do, but it's all for the common goal. Yeah. Of being on the team and working towards that. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of I apply my life. I apply, I, I call football the game of life. Yeah. You th- you 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 think as the way you speak, um, you take a certain level of responsibility for that relationship and the safe, like the sacred 
I'm what's the word sacredness of like mm-hmm. allowing them to do what they do and enjoy and have fun. And you also know the experience of having your love turn into business. Yes. So in the moment, how do you help your clients understand what they're about to embark on as what they've done was always a passion and now the business is about I think, to man, I think that that is a very, very difficult part mm. because I just look back at it and be like, hey, it's certain thing I remember having a hey, certain thing we just we gotta talk about. We we gotta talk about mm-hmm. how we gonna move forward in this business. Yeah, I know you feel this way. I know I feel this way, but hey, they're moving like this. So let's move like this. Okay. You know, or just understanding like sometimes having a <laughs> I used to say, let me, okay, let me put on my manager hat right now. Hey, this is what we need to do. Uh, I take on my brother hat. Man, look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this ain't right but hey <laughs> you know what I'm saying so learning how to balance those things for me kind of help me being able to kind of have a, like a I hate to say like a light switch be able to turn it off turn it off and on and you said you also are really good at compartmentalizing things yeah yeah and learning just how to not take things personal mm-hmm. especially in the business because you know we can be when you negotiate you know you know what tough things negotiating prices and then come to a person being like, hey, that ain't enough. Or, hey, you got that, you know, and people not feeling like, hey, I don't want to offend you, but I feel like this is worth this. Mm. And being able to say, no, nah, I, I, I understand where you come from. But just being able to say, mm, you know what, this, this is not going to work for us. We just can't do this. We can't do business at this time. Mm. Love you as a person, but for the business part of it, it's not going to work. So just learning how to separate those things, I think, has, you know, really, like, given me, well, also, too, just not making things so transactional. You know what I'm saying? Like, really adding value into, I'm really big on that, like, adding value into things that I'm stepping into. A book that was introduced to me that really helped me with that was, it's called The Go-Giver. Love The Go-Giver. I feel like that was, yes. That's a game changer. It really is. I wish more people would read it. It's an easy read. That's one of the first books that I really read. Like, I really read from front to back and was like, okay. And, you know, as you know, it just talks about stepping into everything with the mindset of serving. Yes. You know, the funny thing is, um, when you think about, for me, I'm an individual who serves and I forget about the like the value on that back end. Whereas sometimes, you know. I've had to learn that. I was going to ask, you know, because for me it was freeing, but it also gives me a, like a strategic perspective to look at serving. What did you learn in your process of like serving to like start? How did you learn to start thinking about the price tag and still organically add value? I, I deal with that now. We're not like, I'm like, hey, well, you only paid for this. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I got to go hard. Mm-hmm. But also like what I've been able to do better with is saying like, hey, I'm going to do this, but you know, this it's out of the scope of work. Okay. And this should be compensated this way. I want to do it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But just also understand what building, tan- like building relationships means. You know what I'm saying? Like I value that and I value it not being just so transactional. And I feel like when people, some people will take advantage when you give more, you know, but understanding that the right people to be put around who will know and, you know, or right, she went hard for this and you know what let's get her something else and it'll all come full circle versus it just being all right and do all she's supposed to do so she kind of held back and we ended up 
nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just giving your all. Like like you said, serving, stepping into it with a mindset of serving and let the things fall the way that they're supposed to versus feeling some type of way of somebody going. And I know that's that's very easy said than done. Mm-hmm. But like I said, reading the go giver helps you just be like, you know what? It's gonna come back in some form of fashion. Absolutely. It is gonna come back. Mm-hmm. I put it out there, it's good. My mindset was to serve. Yeah. I served that person. Did they do me right? Mm-hmm. I did I learned my lesson in it. Yeah, I did. All right, let's keep moving forward. Okay. Okay. I, I received that. <laughs> you know, you are uh what's the word ministering to me in that moment. So hopefully But it also mm-hmm. Because in that moment when I told you I was trying to figure out how to turn being the dot connector into a business. Right. Like I've also had to watch certain people and how they do it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like being upfront with people. Hey, look, this is my connection. Hey, I'm gonna walk you through this process. Hey, connection. This is what's going on. And and letting that expectation or how many wanna say expectation, let it be known, hey, this is what it is. Mm. Now, and I think a lot of times us as servers, we look back at it, we be like, damn, <laughs> y'all just went and made such and such and such. Instead, when you could have been up front and be like, hey, look, all right, look, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to walk you through this process. Hey, you know, connect. This is what it is, this is what's going on, and being transparent about it, and also showing like, hey, you wouldn't have necessarily got this, this is my connection, this is my person, you wouldn't have necessarily got this if it wasn't for me. Or, and I hate to make it out like if it wasn't for me, but it's my connection. It's my relationship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's something that I've been able to do too. I've, I've learned from a few different people just being upfront. This is what the deal is. Mm. And I'd be like, I, I can respect that. Okay. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Yeah. Versus like sometimes, you know, we'll sit back and say, let me see what this person gonna do. Let me see if they're gonna throw an alley back to me. Right. Like, no, you like, have to be more intentional. Just go ahead and just go put it out there. Look, this okay. is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm looking for from this. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable with that? Okay, cool. Let's move forward. Okay. When you look back at old times, when you, like when you were just serving and you're like, oh, they did a whole connection and I wasn't even included. How do you stay settled in yourself? <laughs> you know that. You know that's a, you know that's a process. <laughs> I'm trying. What, what is your process to stay? I'm in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in therapy. I'm, I'm recovering. Cause I used to look at that job and be like, I know you did. The nerve. I gave you a whole, I just gave you a whole idea. You wouldn't even be thinking about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going to really just go, dang, okay. Mm-hmm. And then now you can put this person in the box when they just, they had no clue. They might have had no idea that that's how this works. Okay. Or, you know, I, I try to give, I just, I try to have grace in saying that people don't know. I try not to assume that a person knows how to conduct themselves in certain things. Okay. Mm. I really had to learn it. I hate when people say, you should know. Ah. Yeah. How should you know if you've never been in this atmosphere? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, my mentee came with me yesterday um, to a podcast taking for 85 South. And I've been telling him, I was like, hey, when you go in these rooms, introduce yourself, make connections, you know, make sure that these people know you because, and then let them know that you're with me so that if you bump into them somewhere else, they remember you, they know you. Then you can throw that, hey, I was with Core, such and such, such and such. And it's funny because he met somebody. I was like, did you introduce yourself? I said, did you know who that person was? Oh, should I go back in? I said, it's too late. Now I said, I, I set it up. I said, but like, he, but also, 
he was like, his previous uh, mentor was like, when you come in the place with me, you don't say nothing. You just, you just be quiet. So now I understand the trauma that he's experienced from that. Now he's yeah. in the room and he's sitting with me and he's just like, and I'm like, nah, I'm like, nah, that's not, I don't want that from you. Yeah. Get in here, mix, mingle, talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Do that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I see how that, that trauma can be something that's like, can put you in a space of like, kind of second guess and like, should I talk? Mm-hmm. I'm telling him, I'm just reminding him like, hey, we going here? Mix. Yeah. People, introduce yourself. Don't just stand around me mm-hmm. at work. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and make yourself known versus trying to. And I never understood how a person could do that. Just be like, oh, I get here, don't say nothing. That's that's ego. Yeah, it is absolute ego. It's ego. In the in the um, vein of mentorship, another thing that I was super intrigued about um, is your like your participation in the um, Black Wall Street and going mm-hmm. into like going into schools and helping young people. You know realize their full potential and also be interested in, in being something more is it more so is it specifically entrepreneurship focused or is it just be all you can be? i think it's just, it's just really for me it's just be all you can be okay because at the time i didn't look at being an athlete until i got until i started realizing that i'm just an independent contractor mm. i'm really an independent contractor i work for myself <clears throat> i'm in a competition with this person this person i do the job it's my contract is this is that and started to, um, I started connecting dots. Like, oh, really? I am an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when you said, I got my own brand. Mm-hmm. I got certain things that I, I can be building on. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to just put all my eggs in this. I can be expanding myself out of doing this and doing that. So I think for me, it was just going into the schools and from a professional athlete perspective, being honest about taxes. Being honest about financial advice, being honest about my experience, mm-hmm. and you're not being this fluff of, oh, you go to the NFL and you go do this and you go do that. Just like being real transparent with my process, what I experienced, but also learning along the way, like, okay, well, yeah, I am an entrepreneur. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is how these two things tie together and all that kind of stuff. But just for me, it's really, I think for me, it was just really um, being able to know that I can connect back with students. Yeah. And being able to connect with you in whatever way I could, yeah. and realizing like that it wasn't people that looked like me. Not necessarily people that looked like me, but there weren't many professional football players coming back giving the information or doing certain things and making themselves uh, tangible for us to really be able to get like think about to, to bump into a David Shane, the, yeah. the, the bump into an Ari, the bump into a, a Maddie J in the streets. Like, it was not like that. Yeah. They were like rock stars to these kids now. You know what I'm saying? Like, untouchable. Yeah. But now it's like, it's right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can be driving down the street and see a car with CEO manager on the side. And it's nine times out of He's going to walk out and he's going to have a conversation with you. And um, just realizing how, like, that connection is so strong. And they're going to be the ones who take care of us. So I know I want to be too near you know what I'm saying? They they remember you. Remember the people who came in and had an impact on you mm-hmm. um, as a kid. Yeah. Like I work with a teacher influencer. Mm-hmm. Like I got a I got a client who um, after Shipping Brooks who is an educator in Clay County who I helped grow from five thousand followers to now he has fifty thousand followers. Um, and he's an econ teacher. You know what I'm saying? One of the first brothers I knew going live. Using social media to to connect with his kids in a way where okay you can't make it class today ain't no reason I, I go live every day what 
I go live. Meeting the kids where they are. Exactly. Allowing kids to turn their homework assignments through Instagram. What? That's innovative. So connecting with people like that yeah. who understand the power of things and who are not just like, oh no, I'm not gonna do this and I'm not like and actually able to, to to bring him as a as an educator out into a space in the entertainment world, but not really, but just as an influencer and able to triple his salary as an educator. And educators really being the influencers. They're with kids every single day. You know what I'm saying? So um his innovate and just how, how he's being connected. Like I've watched how he can make a room, you know, and um producing a, a virtual conference that sold six thousand tickets for an educator. You know what I'm saying? For an educator to be able to pay out his peers who are presenters like nice checks. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like and able to see these different things that to us growing up wasn't considered to be cool. You know what I'm saying? And really put a spin on it and say, you know, you can be an entrepreneur, you can try to remember, you can do this, you can do that, you know, or you can come into a school and be able to be dressed like this. You know what I'm saying? And I have to come in with a tie. Yeah. Being able to connect or have an adult pair of shoes on that connects with a kid to be able to get this kid, I call it get him in the car. Because once I get you in the car with me, I can take you wherever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can take you to whatever destination. But I gotta have that conversation that's gonna connect with you first. So if it's my shoes, let it be the shoes. And I started to learn that during Black Wall Street. We all walked in looking a certain type of way. We all had on dope kids. We all had on our different stuff. And we all walked, talked, and we looked like you. You know what I'm saying? So now you don't feel like, oh, this person's talking down. Yeah. We're meeting you where you're at. Mm. So being able to see that, you know, that that educators are the new influencers. That's a fact. And we all are educating in some way, some form of fashion. Absolutely. Absolutely, but but when you when you like specifically educators are definitely they have the power. They have the power as, at the at the granular level, especially when we think about systematic change. They're the people in the space, and for mm-hmm. someone like your like your client to be able to use that power and leverage it instead of kind of go through the daily. Right. Like, how cool is it to walk in and say, "My teacher has fifty thousand followers." Literally, like right here. Right. And that and that is everything that kids look up to. That's status. Like, oh, my mom tells me to eat my vegetables, but if my teacher who has $50,000 tells me to eat my vegetables, I'm doing it. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's a- Imagine my teacher putting up driving a Tesla. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, the connection that, oh, Mr. Bruce got a Tesla. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Bruce come in wearing these. Yeah. Like, he, he's able to connect with them in a way where they're like, and they come and they, they demand, like, it's a demand of respect from back and forth, and he respects the kids in a way. And like you say, be an econ teacher and to um, really, really, really help kids um, to to connect the way he's been able to do something and connect with his been awesome. Yeah, there's something you said about mentorship that um, I really want to bring light to. Um, when you talk about the mentorship with kids, mm-hmm. I hear it. Like I can hear the passion, and I can hear the fact that you're able to go into the room and really truly connect with the person as a child, and not be what you said was. Um, it was it was somewhat, something of the fact of like demeaning, right? Not to be um, demeaning. Talking down, yeah. Talking, talking down. down. That's specifically yeah. what you said. You also lead that way in your mentorship, and I can only imagine your mentee is at least an adult of some sort. Yeah, uh-huh. he just graduated from state, Georgia State. Okay. Yeah. So, so how do you, do you have a philosophy on mentorship? Like, it sounds like you have a philosophy on mentorship, whether they're old or young, because it can be a bit challenging to find someone who's willing to 
pour into you as an adult? I don't know if I have a philosophy. I just, I think something else that I noticed about kids or just in general is people want to talk about themselves. And a lot of times when you go into schools, kids don't get the opportunity to talk. Adults just talk, talk, talk. You got to do this, you got to do that. I'm going to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Hey, come up here and show me what you think this is about. Or, hey, you saw... um, the Travis got said, 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 what you thought about it? Well, what did you think when you saw that? Like, I love to hear perspective. Mm-hmm. So I kind of use the therapist approach. I think that's kind of what it is. I like it. I kind of use that. You know how a therapist, a therapist got, they don't, uh, it's a misconception that you go in there and you can lay on the couch and they can tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. No, they actually just guide you through the conversation and you end up answering <laughs> it along the way. And it's all on your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's funny because me and my homeboy, um, Shout out to Allison. He's he's an influencer. He's a comedian. He's a goat, and he's been an intricate part in like helping me and stuff like that. We went high school together, but we both go back to our high school all the time. And we did this one thing where we went and spoke to a I think it was an entrepreneur, a business entrepreneur class. And one of the girls, she was like, "Yeah, we." I would ask the question of why do y'all feel that you know you can't connect with your parents and why you can't. And the girl, she was like, "I mean, you know, y'all just don't listen." I'm like, "Interesting." Mm-hmm. And then um, she she ended up saying something, and my homie was like, "See, oh, that's the problem." And I was like, "Bingo!" And she was like, "She was like, that's the example right there." She was like, "You didn't give me a chance to even express my perspective of what I saw, how I saw it from my lens." And a lot of times, people just want you to listen, and I think that's a key component of we, we talk about talking communication but we don't talk about listening to understand a lot of people listen to respond and, I, and a lot of times being able to go in and that's something that I, I've always admired about David and I would watch him talk to the kids like he would ask questions even with his podcast he'd be knowing the answer to a lot of stuff but he asked it in a way where you like, he'd be like and I know you know this but the way you just asked me bro let me tell you what just happened you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. I've watched how he how he he's just very inquisitive. So I took that approach with kids or just having conversations in general with people. Just like, well, why do you think like that? I can completely disagree with somebody and sit there and have a conversation and be like, but well, what made you think? I just want to know. Just tell me. Just walk me down. What makes you think that way? Mm-hmm. And I can see how you can think that way versus being like, nah, that ain't right because I'll see it this way. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So I use that approach when it comes to kids and just kids and just mentoring in general because it's something to learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. Even a little kid, it's something to learn. Yeah. And that's just how I approach it. Yeah. You, I can tell. Yeah, absolutely. So now you know your philosophy. Now right. You know yeah, your yeah. framework. Yeah. <laughs> that's dope. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the couch. Well, thank you for having me. I have received um, a lot. And even in this in this conversation, there's certain, like, everything tells us that we are where we're supposed to be in this life. And your story helps you remember to, like, stay present, stay focused on the main thing. And regardless if you became the person to cut down the, you know, the hands yeah. and figure it out, that was the that was the position that God wanted you to be in yeah. for you to learn from being present. And embracing it. Yeah. Embracing it, you know, and really um, have an appreciation for that. Because mm-hmm. all of us are not able to um, all of us are not able to understand the position that we all in while we're there in that moment, but also being able to go back and just view it and say, ah, this makes sense. Why? 
I went through this to experience this to be able to talk with you about that. And it all comes full circle. We don't always understand when we're in it, but when you come out, you'll be really able to look back at it. And sometimes the, the, the more in tune and the more you tap into yourself, you understand why you're in it too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I typically will ask this question and I'm... Um, and I know you're going to have something wise to say for the listeners who, one, they have their, they have aspirations of like building themselves up, mm-hmm. especially now in the day, this day and age, it's like building their Instagram followers so that they can either build their business or right. they can do whatever. But I also find that there's value in you now knowing in retrospect what your life story means. Mm-hmm. So as we close up, it's more like if you can think about a word of wisdom for a person to be able to tap into their greatness. Would mm-hmm. you? What would your feedback be to them, and what would you say that they could do right now to capitalize on their moment, even if they don't recognize what's going to happen at the end? It's one word that comes to mind: jump. Oh. Jump. I mean, we f- we come up with great ideas, we come up with these things, and sometimes we get to the edge and we figure out every reason why not to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not qualified. We talk ourselves right off the ledge. When in actuality, you just need to jump out. Jump out there on faith, and you'll be surprised at the things that you're able to accomplish once you just jump through. It's somebody right now sending a word about, well, what do I got to do to start a podcast? Pull out your phone and just start recording. Take one step, and you can take another step. It doesn't have to be all put together and all figured out. It's nothing wrong with learning along the way. Mm. I stepped into my situation with Desi and I learned along the way. Mm. Same thing with Kyle. I learned along the way. You are not going to go through this process perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. And all of those things are going to prepare you for the next thing and the next thing. Okay, then. We, you heard it first. I will say one, one other time, one more time. Thank you. I'll say thank you because not only thank you for you, but I thank God for your journey because I think that's what keeps you humble and that's what keeps you like really focused on the main thing, which doesn't allow you to get too caught up in your brand, even though you, I'm sure you know your brand now. Mm-hmm. And now you understand the impact that you have on very many people, whether they know, whether you know it or not, just the way you move, the power of the tongue, your presence definitely has an impact on all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> pulling that back in. Okay. So yes, um, CP. Yeah, CPTWO9. I was going to switch this to Coach CP, but I guess because of my verification, I need to go through the extra little loops. Mm-hmm. I guess people be, I don't know, still in these pages. I don't hey, know what's going on. You are now a person that they need to make sure. Yeah. It's crazy they do all that for you, but then somebody will duplicate Ariel Young. And it's like, yeah. oh, we'll get back to you in a couple in of a couple years. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what's going on, but they, they make me. Yeah, every time I go to change, like, you need to send an email in. Well, maybe not. If I change that, let you know. Look. Well, thank y'all so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time, peace out.